Good morning and happy Palm Sunday. My name is Helen and I'm pastor of small groups and community life here at New Life. And Palm Sunday is a special time. It marks the beginning of a week, Holy Week, Passion Week, where annually we have a special moment to just pause and reflect on the last few days of Jesus, his death and his resurrection. And I know many of us, including myself, were not expecting to bring in the Lent and Easter season like this in front of our screens, worshiping together in this way. But thanks be to God, amen, that the church is much more than a building. We're not limited by the structures of a building or a physical space, but the church is a living body of his people, you and I, us all over, wherever we're worshiping from, and we are his church. So this morning, we're going to be looking at the passage that celebrates, that is celebrated on Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry of Jesus. As he enters into Jerusalem and the crowds are waving their palm branches in the air, celebrating who he is. And we'll be looking at this passage from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. So you can follow with us on the screen. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, and some of our hearts, many of our hearts, are heavy. We come to you on this Palm Sunday that is a celebratory time of reflecting on your love, and we may be wondering where your love is. Jesus, would you speak to us through this text today? Help us to find hope and hold on to the truth that you are the God who is living. You are the God who comes and enters and will triumph over all in the end. We bless you and we come to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, as we look at this text, um, we notice some very unusual details. This passage is often titled, The Triumphal Entry. But as we look at a closer look at this passage, we wonder, that is a very strange title for such a passage. Triumphal Entry and a donkey and this road that Jesus is on. There's so many aspects of this story that don't quite line up with that title. Or perhaps it does. And um, this morning, we're going to look at three aspects of this story that will then give us answers to perhaps the question at the very end of the story. 
And the first aspect of the story that we want to look at is the ride of choice that Jesus picks. Jesus enters Jerusalem in this triumphal entry on a donkey. Not just any donkey, on a baby donkey. A slow-moving, stubborn animal. It's a work animal. It's not very impressive, but this is what he chooses to ride on. There's no war horse. There's no amazing stallion that has been carefully selected, picked for speed, and prepared for days with like glittering bridle and saddle. There's none of that. You know, normally a leader would enter a triumphal entry showing off and showing who he is by the type of ride he rides. It makes me think of a time when I was working in a nonprofit where I was in need of attending a number of fundraising functions from galas to dinners, all kinds of things like that. And sometimes I would need to drive into the city and park at a local garage there. And in picking up my car, it was kind of like a mini parade. There would be a whole line of us waiting for our cars to come out. Everyone's beautifully dressed because they all went to that function. And car after car would come out. And they were impressive. You know, this is Manhattan. Nice parties that we went to. And there would be sleek and shining, black, gleaming cars. Every car seemed to have had a car wash. There were BMWs and Mercedes, a lot of Mercedes, and Porsches and Maseratis. And car after car would come out and someone would step forward and be like, wow, nice ride. And then at some point in that line of cars, out would come a dented little blue Honda Civic, my car. And I would somewhat proudly, sometimes embarrassedly, step out of the line, own that this was my car, step in and ride off. And as we look at these beautiful line of cars, there were many times that I was just impressed by how gorgeous these rides were. And at the same time, as I looked at them, they were not cars I wanted to go too near. They were so sleek and shiny and expensive that they kept me actually at a distance. They were hard to approach. They were a bit intimidating. But very few people would find my little blue Honda Civic, rusted, paint, it has a bald head right now. Um, it's not very intimidating to approach my car at all. And the same way Jesus comes. He comes not on impressive, magnificent, um, show-off kind of a horse, but he comes on a baby donkey, one that is so approachable. He is so approachable in his choice of ride. And he comes on this donkey, on the servant horse, on a servant donkey for all of us, because he is the son of God who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He comes not on an impressive ride because he wants all to be able to come. He doesn't want to have any barrier for anyone to be able to approach him. How beautiful is that? Who is this? Then in the second part of the story, we notice the road that Jesus takes with this donkey. He starts at the Mount of Olives and he ends up in Jerusalem. And in this photo, you'll see, this is a more modern day snapshot of looking down from the Mount of Olives down into Jerusalem. And you see that it's a downward incline. The picture doesn't quite capture it so well, but it's actually rather a steep road that goes downward into the city. And the road that Jesus takes that we look at in this passage is not one that climbs upward into some mountaintop of glory. 
It's one that is going downward towards a city full of people. He moves towards the people, towards you and me. He moves towards the very hands of chief priests and leaders who are out to arrest him and who will kill him. He moves towards out of freedom and life towards what he knows will be his death on a cross. Jesus takes this downward road, a very unusual triumphal entry on a road that leads towards death because he comes to serve and to give up his life. He is the worthy king that is worthy of that stallion, but rides a donkey. He is powerful enough to climb into the highest places and overthrow all rule, human rule and powers. But he chooses instead to use that power to force his way, not to force his way, but to move towards his people out of power to release that power so that he could come to us. In the third part of this story, we notice the crowds. They're all around him. If we imagine this scenario, we picture it to be loud, noisy. It's a celebration. It's a party. People are waving branches. They are shouting. They're crying out that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the son of David. He has come. He is the king of kings. And they're saying, Hosanna in the highest. There is noise and celebration. But in just five days, we know that these same voices that were so sure that they were celebrating and naming who Jesus was, will then cry out, crucify him, crucify him. And when we read this story and we see that part of the story, it speaks to all of us who at some point in our lives, we've experienced disillusionment. We have named then, seen, or maybe experienced God in a special way. We say, he is God. He's good. He's a good God. And then at times in our lives, there are things that we go through where he seems so silent or absent and we wonder, is he God? Is he really there? Is he really a good God? And disillusionment, there's an Episcopal preacher, Barbara Taylor, who says that disillusionment are sacred experiences. She writes, in disillusionment, we find out what is not true and we are set free to seek what is, if we dare, to turn away from the God who was supposed to be in order to seek the God who is. Our moments of disillusionment that this crowd is going to experience very soon are actually moments that sift us, that make us rethink, who is God? He is a good God, but he's not showing up the way I supposed he would. What then, how is this good? How is he still a good God? And it forces us through disappointment and disillusion to see the greater God that he is, that he is still truly a good God. In Isaiah 42, there's a passage that reflects on Jesus. And it says, Behold my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. When we notice this part of the story, the crowds are noisy, the disciples are shouting, there's this, all this celebration, but there's one voice we don't hear, and that's Jesus. Jesus is silent. He is the one who has a voice of power, who can calm the wind and the waves. And he uses that voice to silence the wind and the storms for his disciples. 
but he doesn't use it right now to make some incredible speech to show who he is. He doesn't use his voice to bring attention to himself. He doesn't use his voice to get out of the situation which he knows he's on a road to death. He is silent. How unusual is this? A leader who is being celebrated, who is silent. So we look at these three things, a baby donkey, which is his ride. We look at this road that is not upward, but down. And we look at the savior who is silent. They're not normal examples of leadership. We don't think of leaders and a Messiah being in this way. What could it possibly mean? In the last part of the story, there's a question that the city asks. As Jesus is entering Jerusalem, there's so much noise and celebration. There's all these people waving palm branches. And this whole city is looking out their window. You can just imagine everyone just sticking out their heads of doorways and just asking, who is this? this is, who is this person coming in that's being celebrated as the son of God? And people are shouting, who is this? And the people answer that this is Jesus, a prophet someone from Nazareth, a Galilee, and they get it just partially right. You know, in this celebration and this noise, they can't ignore him, but they ask a very crucial question. And it's a question that we have to face and answer. It's at the heart of our relationship with God. Who is Jesus when he shows up in glory in our lives, when good things happen, when we have moments of celebration and victory? What is our answer to that question? And who is Jesus when he is silent, when he seems absent, when our lives are full of brokenness and weakness, and there seems no end in sight of that? Is our answer to this question the same? It needs to be the same. It cannot change just because God does not show up the way we suppose he is, for God is God. And if he is good, there's a good God in the midst of all that looks like chaos. And so we come to this question, who is this? Who is this? Those three parts point the answer. This is Jesus. Jesus who has, who's worthy of a stallion, but rides a humble donkey. A donkey who is an animal, a work animal, a beast of burden. An animal that carries our burdens. Jesus comes on a ride because he comes for his people to carry your burden, my burden. He comes for you. Whatever you are carrying right now, he is moving towards you to carry for you rather than asking you to carry for him. He comes on a road that is going down, downwards towards his people. This is Jesus who comes on a downward road because sometimes we cannot come to him. Sometimes we don't even know to come to him. Sometimes we're so broken. You may have been experiencing something in your life in this moment during this pandemic. Perhaps there's someone in your family that has gotten sick. Perhaps you have lost someone and you, are, you just can't move. You're just stuck in a place. And yet we look at the story and we are reminded that Jesus doesn't ask us to come to him. He is the one who moves to us so that we can be with him. He is the one who comes down to us wherever we are, whatever brokenness we're in. And the last, who is this? This is Jesus. He has a voice of power 
to calm the wind and the waves of our lives, and he uses his voice on our behalf. But on his behalf, he remains silent so that he can be silenced to death, to overcome death and bring life for all of us. He holds back what he can use so that we can have what he has. So we look at these three things. Who is this? This is Jesus. He is an unexpected king. God moves in unexpected ways through things that don't make sense, through things that are lowly and weak. And it's such a good message for our time right now. As we're living through this pandemic and we just feel the daily anxiety of social distancing, of having to just be careful constantly, being mindful is a mental stress. As we're thinking of loved ones who are going out perhaps into healthcare and other areas that are daily experiencing encounters with people who have COVID-19. As we're hearing stories of things that are happening, both good and bad, but there's so many things that we are hearing that concern us. We're living in a time that is stressful, that is full of limits, full of things we cannot control. And on top of this pandemic and all around it, there's just life that's happening. And some of us, even before the virus happened, there are things in our lives that we have been, that have been weighing on us and that continue to weigh on us. Whether that's unemployment, financial strains, perhaps there's relational strains that are going on, whatever it may be, we have moments in our lives, in all of our lives, and perhaps right now you're experiencing something in your life that is full of limits and weakness and you just can't. You don't know what to do about it. That weakness, that experience that you're having seems like a dead end. And the good news as we look at this passage today is that what looks like weakness and limits is exactly what God specializes in and he uses it to, as doorways into new life. When I look at this passage, I'm reminded back to Isaiah 42 where it says a bruised reed he will not break. We have a Jesus that comes on a donkey on a downward road. He has incredible strength. But in that strength, he does not snap bruised reeds like you and me. He is gentle with us. And in my life, I look back and I just think about how he has come in my own limits. You know, growing up, I had a mom who was mentally ill. She had paranoia schizophrenia. And it got really severe. And after she passed, I found myself as an adult who was extremely, incredibly socially awkward. I could not enter a room setting without, in my head, fireworks were going off of, oh my goodness, what do I do? What do I say? It was so hard to enter any kind of social space. And yet in the midst of all of the anxiety that I carried every single day of how to be normal, how to be social, Jesus spoke in a very calm way and he just compelled me. He drew out of me a desire to be part of the church. I was attending church, but, you know, we were so used to just coming and going because of my mom's illness. But in the midst of that, after she passed, and I, there was this longing in me that arose out of all of the chaos for more, that I was supposed to be part of the church, that I had a place to belong. And then I remember because of that longing, I said, okay, Jesus, if this is you, I will sign up for something. And I signed up to serve at the Sunday school ministry. And I remember my first day still of walking into the room and I'm walking in, 
But in my head, I'm like, I want to leave. I really want to get out of here. And everything in me is screaming that I want to leave. But I'm walking in, and who is it that is giving me the strength? It's the gentle Savior who does not break bruised reeds. But he comes in limits, and he somehow turns this bruised reed, and he makes it strong. You know, he takes these broken things and limits and dead ends, and he brings new life. And he's able to do that because he is the king who enters in, moves towards us in our brokenness. And he enters in to face death for us on our behalf. And he overcomes death and brings out new life by conquering death and rising again. All for us so that all of our dead ends become doorways into life for new things that God wants to do. Rich Velodes, our lead pastor, has a quote that he wrote recently in an article about death. And he says, To proclaim that Christ is victorious over death is to remember that no matter what pandemic, war, or evil we encounter, the love of God will have the last word. So how do we hold on to this truth this morning? That this God, he is unexpected. There are times when he doesn't show up as we suppose he should. But how do we hold on that he is a good God and he is a God who is on the move that comes? There are three things that I think would help us to remain in that truth. So this week as we enter Holy Week, the first is to take some time and reflect. Look through scripture and see all the ways that God comes in unexpected ways. He comes through lowly people. He even speaks through a donkey in the Bible. He comes through people that should really not be in leadership positions, and he uses them to accomplish his will. To reflect by looking through scripture, looking through history, looking at our own lives, what he has done, the people around us. To take some time to reflect this week, to consider how our God moves unexpectedly and turns things upside down and shows up in the most incredible ways. The second thing to help us hold on to this truth of who Jesus really is, is to release. And so in prayer, you know how we have a posture going up? When we release, we can actually place our hands down on our lap. And it means to take some time to reflect, kind of like the iceberg of looking at where you're anxious, mad, sad, glad. You know, looking at the areas that we feel our limits, our weakness, and to name them before God. And then to lay it down into God's hands to say, Jesus, I give you, I don't know how anything good can come out of this. I don't know. I'm feeling this and I'm going through this, but I have no idea. This just seems incredibly weak and there's nothing I can do, but to name those things and to release it to God, to know that our God is able to actually turn those limits into doorways for life. And the third way is then to receive and that's where we turn our palms upward to receive from God. We have released, and now we receive before God. And we sit and we look and are reminded of his love. That this Jesus comes on a lowly, burdened animal, a work animal that carries burdens because he loves us. He is here to carry our burdens. He takes a downward road towards you. He moves towards you even when you can't move to him. He comes on a road that's downwards towards wherever our lowest point is. 
and to sit and remember this Palm Sunday, how much he loves us, that this Jesus, he is worthy of a stallion. He is worthy of the highest places, but he chooses to let go of all of those things and move towards us because he loves us, to come and rescue us, to die for us, and so that we can live and be his children. So to sit and receive, to reflect, release, and receive before God. I want to close with that quote from Zechariah 9.9 that Jesus fulfilled. Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Jesus is coming and he comes for you and me. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning and we're reminded that you are the gentle king. You are such a paradox of so many things, God. You ride a baby donkey, you take a downward road. You don't use the power that you have, your voice that can silence the wind and the waves. You keep that back so that you can be silenced on our behalf. So that through these things, God, things that seem so lowly and nothing, you win over all. You use lowly ways so that we can all come to you. All of us, wherever we are, whatever we're carrying and weighed down by, none of us need to feel that we have to be strong because you took low paths to come to us because you are the lowly king. And we are grateful today that you are a king on the move. You don't stay apart from us. You don't stay at a distance saying that's too hard or too messy. But you say, these are my people. This is my daughter, my son. I love them. I'm coming for them. And you are a king who is on the move downwards towards us to bring us through what seems like limits and dead ends through those things and out into life. Thank you, Jesus, this morning for your love for us. Thank you for coming for us. And thank you for being so approachable, for not being so far away, but being the God who is near us. We love you. We bless you. Hosanna in the highest. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Helen, for just the gift of your message today and of your life. And that image that Helen just offered us of Jesus going downward is a really beautiful and powerful image that I want you to hold on to this week. When that first Palm Sunday occurred in Jesus's time, the people in the land were oppressed. They were suffering, longing for someone to rescue them. And in our land today, there's a lot of oppression as well, a lot of suffering as well. And we long for God to rescue us. This past week, even in our own congregation at New Life, I'm aware of about four or five uh, people who are connected to a New Life congregant who've passed away this past week. And there are a lot of people suffering, grieving, oppressed by the realities of this pandemic. And yet, in spite of all the suffering that's taking place in our city, in our congregation, in our nation, in our world, here, that beautiful image, Jesus goes downward. He's attracted to those who are suffering, to those who are oppressed. 
And you might be watching this today and wondering, where is God? God moves downward to you to meet you with his power, to meet you with his love. And the opportunity for us is to simply receive. This coming week, we have an opportunity to receive all the gifts of God. And as I mentioned, we have our midday prayers throughout the course of this week that I'll be leading. And we meet this God who visits us in power and in kindness and in strength. But as we close, I want you to uh, receive a blessing. And before I, I bless you all, I wanted to make you aware of a couple of things uh, for the sake of connection. Usually when we gather on Sundays at the end of our service, our pastors are in the lobby area and we're shaking hands and greeting people and saying our hellos and our goodbyes. Uh, we, obviously we can't do that. However, we do have a virtual lobby that we're experimenting with starting today. And so after this service, if you go on newlife.nyc slash live, there's a link there that uh, says virtual lobby. And Red will be there, uh, Peter will be there, Myrna, Kelly, Ng, uh, some of our pastors just to connect. And uh, you'll be connected to a different room to just connect for a little bit. So feel free to experiment with that, uh, to have some face-to-face -face kind of conversation with some of our leaders. In addition to that, we have a prayer room available as well. And so on Facebook and on our New Life website, there's also another link to receive prayer. And we have some folks from our prayer team who would just love to pray for you. And if you're at a place right now where you're like, yeah, I need someone to pray for me, to, to see me, to hear what's going on and to speak words of life to me, feel free to utilize that link as well. We'll be using the Zoom platform uh, to connect in this way. And so feel free to take advantage of those things. But as we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. Wherever you're watching this from, uh, it's a sign of receiving blessing to open your hand this way, out of which you offer that blessing to the world around you. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this online experience in the power of the Holy Spirit, knowing that Jesus is looking towards you. He moves downward to meet you in your suffering, in your pain. And may you receive the love and the strength of God that you need this week. And may you offer that to the world around you. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the loving name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace to you all. See you on Good Friday or at the Midday Prayers.